everybody. It is good to be back in the house of the Lord, amen? Man, we missed you guys, for sure. And I just want to say, I know I said it last week because I was here for just a bit last week, got to share a little bit. I want to say thank you to Pastor Corey and to Stephanie and to Pastor Brantley on how good they always come with their heart turned toward Jesus and, and, and just what God wants to say to his people. And, um, and man, they rang the bell the last few weeks, amen? And so, so thankful that the, the bench runs deep here at Momentum Church. You know, there's a lot of great servants of the Lord, and I'm, and I'm honored to be able to serve as y'all's pastor. And if you're a guest with us, I was able to be away for a couple weeks for vacation, and it's just so good being back this morning. Um, one thing we're going to be doing on Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night, at 7 p.m., we're going to be having the night of worship. And so if you've missed that in the past, um, we, we set everything up in a circle, in a big round. It's just a night of worship. Kids, bring your kids with you. You know, we, we everybody pass kids around, there'll be... Enough stuff for kids doing up here. It's just it's kind of an organic night, and so we want you to come seven o'clock. Um, man, it's a season right now in our country where we need to turn our eyes toward Jesus. Amen. And so I think it'd be a wonderful time for us to do that this coming Wednesday night. And, and if you would, and then um, um I, there's been so much heavy stuff. Next Sunday, um, we've been teaching out of the Book of Ephesians, and right now it's just. I really believe it was the Lord. I, I said this to somebody and they laughed. I said, it's almost like God knew what our nation would be going through in the summer this year. Because I had picked Ephesians. I felt led of the Lord back in December as I, I always take a, a few days away with the Lord. Um, just looking at teaching schedule and, and just a prayer kind of retreat. And, um, and I felt led to, for us to be going through the book of Ephesians. And what a powerful book it is. It has great words of grace for what we're experiencing right now. Amen. And so next Sunday, um, the, the message will really, really lay into and be a part of um, helping us to look more like heaven as a church when it comes to the situation at hand, the things that's going on that's trying to divide our country. And um, next Sunday, if you look in Ephesians chapter 5, it just speaks really beautifully to some of the things that we need to deal with. And, and I told my wife after church this morning, after the first service, I said, I struggled to preach today because my mind is on next Sunday. You know what I'm saying? And so um, just pray for me today because I got a word. I believe that it's a precursor to what we need to handle next Sunday. This is going to help us today as we get ready for next Sunday. But, um, but, man, I tell you, we're in some heavy, heavy times, and God has a word to address those heavy times. And so I want you to be here next Sunday. I want you to invite every friend you have, no matter what background, color, doesn't matter. Get them in the house next Sunday, amen? And, um, and we're going to have an awesome time making everybody mad. It's going to be awesome. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But I, I want you to come as we deal with some serious issues next Sunday. And, um, and then on a lighter note, it's been a blessing. I had no clue all this Pikachu stuff or Pokey stuff is. I had no clue this stuff. This week, seeing people, it's, it's silly. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad we need a little silliness right now, you know. And, um, and my wife, my mom and dad have been in my house all week. And so, you know, they're, they're gone right now, and, I'm, and I've been playing Pokemon, but it just looked different. They've been in the house all week, so I've been trying to get a Pikachu, Amy, all week long. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was good right there. <laughs> that was funny. Um, but my mom and dad are not in my house right now, so praise Jesus. So, but um, I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, while you're turning there, um, we're looking at grace this whole month. This book is dealing with grace. 
And, and, and I want to just jump into it today as we look at it. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the life-transforming power of God's grace, how the Lord comes and does such a, a work in us. And, um, and over this break, I've had a great time with my family, and, um, and there's times over the break that we've eaten. That's a big part of vacation is eating. And I've noticed a cute thing with Arden. That's our, our one-and-a-half-year-old. She has started to pray with the family, you know. And, and I don't know if any of us really made her do that. I can't remember us going, no, no, bow your head. I mean, she's just, you know, but she saw us doing this as we gave grace. You've heard that term before. Who's going to toss up grace? Who's going to give grace? And, and so in that moment, we'll get ready to pray. A lot of times we pray in our kitchen, and then we get our food, and then we go in and sit at the table, you know. And so we'll stand there in a circle, and you'll look over at little Arden, and she'll be So quick to give grace. So quick to want to pray. Why? Because she knows if I get done eating, I get something. I get filled. I get supplied. I, I get nourishment, you know. And, and I got to thinking about that. I want the heart of a child like that, that is quick to give grace. Because if I'm quick to give grace in my life, man, guess what? I benefit from it. You benefit from it. Those in our family and our home benefit from it. If we live life to give grace, say give grace. Man, that's what God wants. And the reason why is because Jesus will give to you what he desires to give through you. Amen. God wants to give to you grace, but he wants that to go to your life and through your life. And so that's really what we're looking at today, that God has empowered us. He's given us his grace, grace that saves and grace that blesses and grace that empowers and grace that heals and that we are to be ministers of that grace. That's who we are. And not just to give grace in time of prayer, but to live a life of giving grace. To live a life of giving honor. To live a life that brings healing and hope and strength to other people rather than tearing down. Amen? We need that in our world right now, desperately. So I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go to verse 1. We'll read down from verse 1 to verse 7, from 1 to verse 7. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Paul says, I am a prisoner. That means I'm bound to someone. I'm bound to the Lord. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. It's not my life to live. It's the life I live because I'm bound to him. It's a beautiful thing when we realize that his grace binds us to him. We sang a song this morning that that grace calls us home, that redemption calls us home. When we're bound to him, all his supply and all his goodness comes to us, amen? And then the demand that he puts on our life, all that, that redemption, that purchase that he's made of our life with his blood, man, we are his and he calls us home. He's fierce in that in our lives. It's a, not a sissy thing, this thing of grace, you know, if you look around here at Momentum, normally we have as many men, look at this, as many men, if not more men in this church than women. It is a blessing of the Lord that that grace is on this house of that nature. I love it. And so I'm not telling you as men, we're all just wussy, pansy, you know, sissy. That's not, grace can be fierce. Grace can be fierce when we realize we're a prisoner of the Lord. And it's not my life I live. It's the life he allows me to live. And God, what do you desire? And how do you want to flow to me and through me? Amen. It goes on. I know you're standing. I'm sorry. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. 
eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and faith of all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Oh, that's so good. Father, today I just ask that as we open the Word and dig in, that Lord God, what you have truly bestowed to us, that immeasurable gift of Christ's grace, God, that we would be a people that will allow it to flow through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have your seat. It's like a river. You know, I can remember telling a friend years ago who was just eaten up with the, the burden of, of frustration with their neighbors, eaten up with the burden of of ridicule and, and, and gossip and just the pain that sometimes people can bring in your life when they look down at you and you're trying to measure up and the person was eaten up with it and, and with it, it was one of those things where they were recognizing the grace of God coming to their life but they were having a hard time of allowing God's grace to be given out of their life to these people that had hurt them so and, and in that conversation I explained it's like a dam it's like a river comes from God flowing to you and if you don't allow it to flow through you then I'm not saying you're not saved I'm not saying that you're not getting touched by the grace of God alright but it's almost like a dam that allows a water to become stagnant and nasty and, and every one of us in this room have met Christians um, and maybe even ourselves at times have been this way where we were stagnant and nasty say nasty you know and, and the water's good the source is good you know it's just there's no flow and when there's no flow, when it doesn't come out, that's when God's people start to look like judgmental, hypocritical, you know, look down your nose, look for a fight kind of people. And I believe that we ought to be people that, man, people say, I see God's grace in you. I see God's grace coming through you to my life. That's the kind of people we should be. Where the river of God flows to us and through us. The, the touch of his grace, it's something that is given liberally by God to us. And we give grace liberally through us, you know, and that, that, that's the call that God has on our life, and it's difficult, you know, and because that grace isn't just a grace that is something that you get to choose who gets that grace, come on, all right, that grace is the grace you need to show and give to your mother-in-law, listen, listen, teenagers, that's the grace God calls you as teenagers to give to your parents, you know, yes, they don't have a clue what the Pokemon stuff is. They just don't want you dying somewhere on a street chasing some invisible. They're not trying to be mean, okay? Show them grace, all right? And if you're 28 and you're chasing Pikachus, I don't. I'm going to try to show grace to you too. I'm just going to try. I'm just going to try, Jonathan. I'm just going to try, all right? <laughs> Here, here's something, an area to show grace in. Show grace in social media. Man, it's tough. We all have our hot buttons, don't we? And I'm not saying to be weak. I'm just saying to be mindful. When it comes to how we express ourselves in social media, we've got to be mindful that we represent Jesus. Why? Because we are a prisoner of the Lord. 
Now, here's what's beautiful about being a prisoner of the Lord. The Bible tells us we're a prisoner of God, that we're no longer a prisoner. He, as soon as we submit ourselves to his leadership and we say, God, we're in your chains. We are bound by you. We will do whatever you say and ask. As soon as we do that, the Bible says we're no longer now a prisoner or a slave. We are now a son. You know? What do sons do? They represent their daddies. Right? My dad's been around my house all week long. Oh, my gosh. I remember growing up saying, Daddy, I'll never be like you. You know? I'm a lean athlete. You know? I'm a lean athlete. My dad is a barrel with arms and legs. You know? What? What? And I just remember growing up, you know, it's like, man, I am a chip off the old block. You know? I am. I am. I'm trying my best, but I am. And why? Because sons look like their daddy. They talk like their daddy. They act like their daddy. And if my daddy gives grace, by goodness, I ought to be one that gives grace too. Amen? Amen? I want to be like my dad, just not all the hair. Some of you know my dad. Okay. So he's got Charles Engel hair. So. so let's look at the word here. This first verse, what we can see in here, number one, we have a high calling that needs to rise up. All right? Can you see here in this passage of Scripture? It says, excuse me, in verse, let's see here, verse 1, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Every single one of us in this room that professes Jesus. If you don't profess Jesus, then hey, you're free because you're not bound to him, right? But the world needs a whole lot more Christians who live their lives like they're bound to Jesus, Right? We need, the world desperately needs the grace that he bestows to us to be represented in our lives and through our lives. The world needs that. Wow, wouldn't it be wild to have Christians that act like Christ, right? Yeah, and I believe you are those people. I believe you're those people that are tired of all the shenanigans. You're those people that want to be a prisoner of Jesus, that he might be seen, that he might be known. Amen? I believe that with all my heart. And that is a high calling. We have a high calling that needs to rise up. It's a calling that reflects the gift of Christ. This is how I know it's a high calling. Look at verse 7. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's huge. That's gigantic. That, that, that measure of Christ's gift, when it comes to his grace bestowed upon us, you couldn't have earned it. You couldn't make enough money to get it. You couldn't live holy enough to receive it. It is immeasurable. It is Jesus' choice to say, I'm going to love you. I'm going to do what it takes to, to bring life to you. I love you. And so that is the high calling that we have, that we are to allow that kind of grace to flow to us and through us. But Ross, you don't know what that person said to me. You don't know what that person did to me. I know, I know. I don't know what that person did to you, but I know what Jesus did for you. And you know what? It wasn't fair that he had to lay his life down for you either and for me. But he chose to. Why? That's grace. That's grace. It's an immeasurable gift that comes from, from God. It's a grace that is shown to us, and, and we allow that grace to be shown through us. And, and obviously, you can do that outside the four walls of the church. One of the ways that we allow that grace to be shown through us inside the church is through our ministry teams. And this isn't just a sales spiel, but I want to tell you, man, there is no greater way on a Sunday morning, God keeps bringing folks here, and for you to be on a team that allows you to allow God's grace to extend through you to them each week is powerful. 
And so the last couple of weeks, today, it'll still be out there in the foyer. Today, it's like that, that if you will, that, that crunch time. We want you to go out there. There are different ministry opportunities on that pallet board, and they show the wind. They show what God can do in and through your life, how he can pour his grace to change a life from children to people driving into the parking lot to all different areas. Go look at that. If you're a part of Momentum Church, you ought to be serving. Amen. Grab something and choose in that area to allow God's grace to flow through you. Now, you'll say, but, but, but I do that elsewhere. Ah, maybe, maybe. But a lot of times what we do here is what we do in the world. And so if I'll worship on a Sunday morning here, Man, you probably are worshiping in your own time, you know. If I'll open the word and read here, it kind of whets your appetite for what you're doing in the real, I hate to say the real world, but your other six days a week, you know. If I'll serve here and let grace pour out of me here and make that effort and that sacrifice here, then maybe on Tuesday when the Lord says, hey, this person needs something, you'll rise up and do that as well. It's all about training who we are, you know. And so I just want to encourage you in that area, there's that high call that God wants us to allow him to use us, to pour his grace through us. Now, we struggle with that high call, and here's why. Look at number two, okay? The second thing is this. We have a high call that needs to rise up, but we have a low nature that needs to be submitted. It's just every one of us in this room. Our human nature likes ourselves. It likes our agenda. It likes our time frame. It likes what we want. Our human nature goes, Ross is awesome. And although he is, I don't want to impose that on you, you know, unless you, unless you want to, you know. It's like, no, no. No, but I mean, all of us, we, we love us, don't we? Nobody loves me or you, nobody loves yourself like you do, you know. And so it's just part of our low nature that needs to be submitted. Look what it says in Ephesians 4, verse 17. Now this I say and I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do and the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous, and they've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. I love this. This line of demarcation that says there are Christ followers and there are people that are not Christ followers. If you're a Christ follower, this is how you ought to live. And I don't see any B-U-T's in there, right? I don't see a single, but, eh, here's an exception. This is how you ought to live, but, you know, if you were raised this way and you can't help it, if you were this or if you were that and you can't, no, 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 it's just this is how you ought to live. But guess what? We have a low nature that needs to be submitted. We have a low nature that draws me back to this, back to the base things, back to what I want, you know. All of us do. It's just part of our human nature. It goes on and says, to put off your old self. That takes time, which belongs to your former manner of life, and it's corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. It is difficult to walk on that side, isn't it? That's where we submit ourselves to him as a prisoner to Jesus. And we ask, Lord, help us with your grace to change my heart. And when things rise up in our heart that we feel as if, you know what, I have a right to say this. I have a right to do this. I have a right. I have a right. 
When that happens, we ask ourselves, is this something that I'm submitting to Christ? Because I have a high calling that at times is fought by my low nature. And I'm choosing to renew my mind according to his word and according to the power of his Holy Spirit to allow my life to represent my Jesus. Amen? And that's difficult. And that's tough. And we're in a day and age where Christians from all backgrounds, black and white, Latino and Asian, we are in a day and age where as Christ followers, we can rise up and say, you know what? We are going to find what it means together. Say together. Together what it means to be givers of grace. Amen. In the house and outside the house. Givers of grace. And it's difficult. You know, our mouths at times rob us. But our mouths are just an expression of our hearts. Right? I heard this quote recently. I don't know who said it. It said, the battle for purity in the mouth is fought in the heart. You know? But I have a right to say this. Yeah, yeah, I know. But is it wholesome? Is it pure? Is it something that's going to bring forth good? Or is it just something that's going to exasperate the situation? You know? And so with that, we have a high call. But also, we have a low Low nature, we've got to submit to God. And it's funny because I had a friend recently, he's, he's, he just posted this week, and he's a guy that I private message a lot, and he, he, he's an atheist. But when I say an atheist, I would say like a, a violent atheist. You would never expect him to be the friend of a pastor. Ever so often, he'll write, he calls it his purging on his Facebook, and he purges people, anybody. He just purges them. And, and he'll say, if you've survived the purge, it's because I feel like you have something still valuable for me, you know. And, um, and so I've survived the purge, praise Jesus. But here's what he said, and I love it. He's absolutely right. He said, what time in my life, he's about my age, what time in my life did I go to sleep and the world experience world peace? Because I don't remember it. You know, we're saying the times are evil and they're bad right now, and they are. But basically his thought was, from a very secularist, he's a very much a secularist, his thought was, <coughs> it's always been bad. You know? More people in the 20th century were killed, more bloodshed than all the centuries combined, even with Genghis Khan and all that he did. <coughs> Horrible, bloody century. We're trying to get through, amen? We're trying to come through. But this young man, his thought was just the idea that we've always lived in a tough world. We've always lived where people die. We've always lived. Why? Because this world, and he doesn't even know it. I can't wait this week to dialogue with him because he's, he's making the case, you're right, we have a low, low, low self that needs to be submitted to Jesus so we can be risen up to a high, high, high calling of grace. It's just humanity. Humanity is flawed. And through entropy, it will always go back to that spot of decay and rottenness, you know. It's just who nature is. But here's the thing that's beautiful. You ready for this? Listen. Are you listening? When the enemy comes in like a flood, Jesus will raise up a standard against the enemy. And yes, it is human nature for evil things to happen. But it's also our nature because we have a new nature in Christ Jesus that we can come against those evil things in Jesus' name. That we can rise up and allow his grace that comes to us to come through us. And to submit those things that would rob that expression of grace, we can submit those to Jesus. And yes, the enemy will rise up, but the standard of God, that message of grace, that message of hope, 
That message of love, that message of acceptance, that message can rise high. And guess who will be seen? Jesus. Amen? Jesus will be seen. So there is that battle that we face. Number three, we have a gift of grace that needs to be offered. It's worth the fight regarding our selfishness to be able to offer that gift of grace. We have that gift that's come from God that we should offer. In verse 25, chapter 4, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Come on, it's so good. What a good setup for next week. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Watch this. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. I love that. There's some things that should be said or dealt with or discussed in the right season, right? There's sometimes there's things that just need to be left unsaid for a season. Maybe until you earn the right to say it. Come on, somebody. You know? But here it's just telling us this, and I love this, that it may, why, 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 why? That it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. I remember it was said that they will know you are Christians by how well you protest. They will know you are Christians by how well you boycott. They will know you are Christians by how well you vehemently spew the truths of God in Jesus' name. No, they will know you are Christians by your Come on, somebody. By your love. Man, by the, your, that expression of grace that Jesus pours to us and expects us to pour it through us. That's how they know we're believers. Man, and for a church to begin to look like heaven, that would be a testament to a city called Woodstock that in Marietta and Canton and in this region, man, I know they are Christians because. And it doesn't just say passively because of their love to the world. That's, this is what's wild. It doesn't say because of their love to the lost. It says because of their love one to another. Reach over and kiss somebody on the cheek. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> I was teasing. I was kidding. It's love in the house. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Order begins in the house of the Lord. Change begins in the house of the Lord. And this is just a great setup. For us to realize, God, we want your grace coming to us and through us. And that starts right here. I can't wait to next week again to be able to talk what that looks like a little bit for this house as we go into the future. And so the passage of scripture, it says grace to hear and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. This is a work of the Spirit in our lives. It's every day. How many every day God speaks to you about something? You get ready to say something and... And most of the time when it happens, especially when it's these negative things that come out of our mouth, we sense we shouldn't. And we say, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to anyhow. No. That's not the renewing of your mind. That's keeping the old mind that alienates you from the best of God. That calls you to continue to walk in darkness. 
The Holy Ghost is trying, the Holy Spirit's trying to speak to you. And he's trying to draw grace that has been given to you, draw it out of you to extend to others. Here's what this says. When it says in verse 29, let no corrupting talk, some of your translations will say no evil talk, all right? The Greek word for corrupting talk there is sapros, S-A-P-R-O-S, sapros. And, and literally that idea of sapros, we see it when Jesus is speaking about the tree that gives forth bad fruit, all right? That tree, it's a few times, in, in, twice in Matthew, once in Luke, he talks about it. That word sapros is the word used for bad fruit, and so I don't think it's an accident that Paul, in this moment, uses that word for corrupting talk. He's, he's saying there's some rotten fruit on the tree that we've got to guard ourselves and be careful. Because if we are okay with that rotten fruit being in our lives, then we're robbing others from the grace <coughs> that God has. It's not the good tree that bears bad fruit. It's the bad tree that bears bad, bad fruit. And so there, that bad fruit, that word, like I said, that unwholesome or that corrupt talk, it says, let no evil talk come out of your mouth. And the image in Paul's mind is probably one of rottenness, of decay, of something that is spoiled. You know, this week, it was funny, Amy, um, she gave me some tomatoes in my lunch. And they were awesome. One of them was awesome. What had happened, I went metal detecting last week with some people that we had met, and we took extra detectors for the grandkids to use, and it's a great way to show kids the hobby. And, and um, we found some old 18, like 1870, 1880 axe heads and things like that that we left with the family. But, but, um, but while we were there, we get ready to leave, and the lady said, y'all like tomatoes? I love tomatoes. So she gave us a bag of tomatoes, me and my buddy. And um, on the way home, we put the bag in the back of the pickup truck. And on the way home, the bag got squished a little bit. So when we started divvying out the tomatoes, I felt bad. I didn't want to give my buddy the squished one because it was my stuff that squished it. So I, I took one of the ones that was a little bit squished. It wasn't squished much, just a little bit of a crack in the flesh. That's all, just a little crack in the flesh. And I, and I came home, and we put them in the fridge, and we've been eating tomatoes all week. And so I take two to lunch. She sends it to me because she's a wonderful wife that she is. She sends me two tomatoes with my lunch. And um, I eat one. I eat them like an apple. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they're so good. And then I go to eat this one that had this little crack in it. And I go like this. And the, 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 the process of reverse peristalsis to start, I mean, I bite in. I'm, I'm trying to find the trash can. Because although this thing looked really good, there was a crack in it. And although it looked really good, it was rotten on the inside. And here's what my thought was on it. I think what happened, it was in the back of the pickup and it rained on our way home. And I think a little bit of rain got into that crack and somehow got in there. And it wasn't the right whatever, pH, I don't know how fruit works. <laughs> I'm not a fruitologist. <laughs> but it spoiled it, you know. And it was bad. And it, it wanted to come up. It, wanted, it turned my stomach. And I think a lot of us, as Christ followers, now, nobody else needs to be bound to this. Paul said, I am a prisoner to the Lord. But those of us that are Christ followers, that are bound to the Lord, I think we've got to be mindful that the fruit in our lives, the grace that comes to us needs to come through us. And it needs to represent the goodness of the grace that comes to us, Right? And we need to be mindful that there's some rottenness at times in our lives that, that gives us very little to offer somebody else. And maybe the turning of the stomach of a generation 
maybe could be changed one life at a time. I don't think wholesale, but one life at a time as we live lives where we give grace. As we live lives where Jesus is seen in and through us. That doesn't mean you can't challenge, but there's a sense of love underneath that challenge. It doesn't mean that you can't question, but there's a sense of respect in that line of questioning. That dialogue, trying to understand. Is that good? And so that tomato... Boy, I won't forget that tomato. It looked great. but Just a little crack, just a little bit of stuff was let in that wasn't supposed to be there. I think that's us sometimes. I've got to guard my heart because often I let a little bit of stuff, a little bit of envy or pride. I'll let a little bit of, of, of discontent, you know. It's not fair that I'm facing this. They're evil. They should be facing this. I don't even know what that is, but corruption, I don't. But I let that get in there, and so do you. And in doing so, it can rot in us if we're not careful. And so I'm going to throw down real quick four things here real fast, and we're going to go home. Rotten fruit, and it's four implications versus the grace effect, all right? Number one, rotten fruit, it does not nourish. It doesn't nourish. Neither does rotten language. It just doesn't nourish. It doesn't strengthen. It doesn't improve. It doesn't help. It's not useful. It's good for nothing, the Bible says, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot, in a sense. And so our words of grace, that, that grace that we have to give, that grace effect, listen, the grace effect, when we speak in such a way that it gives grace, our words nourish others. Challenge yourself. Am I nourishing others? Am I nourishing the situation at hand with my words? Or am I just bringing more ruin to it or rottenness to it? Number two, rotten fruit will probably make you sick. Had I eaten that in whole, I mean, my body's already telling me this ain't supposed to be in here, right? That's why I'm, I'm dying here. Rotten fruit will make you sick, you know, if you were to eat it in whole. And so it'll probably make you sick, that second, that rotten fruit. Um, if you try to eat it, rotten language, if you will, if you give it to people, it'll make them sick. It'll make yourself sick as you begin to feed on that kind of rotten attitude and rotten language. It not only fails to give positive nourishment, it can actually cause negative harm. And those words can wound people very deeply. You know, words are a lot like a virus. You know, words are a lot like a virus that transmits the disease of meanness to other people. Or maybe the disease of vulgarity, young teenage man thinking that it's funny to start talking lewdly about women. And now you're 16 years old, and you're starting to talk lewd about women, and this vulgarness, it just starts to get replicated by friends. And now you got a group of four or five guys that, man, you can't hardly talk without it getting just ridiculously lewd. Where's Jesus in that? That's his creation, those young ladies. Amen? Or women, you know, chasing your Pikachu and your wine. No, I'm teasing. Chasing, you know, and... and bad mouth on that neighbor woman and, and then the neighbor woman, neighbor woman and four or five ladies and it's just all, man, that doesn't nourish. It replicates. It just, it, it just grows and it brings a sickness to that, that community, you know. Rotten language will make people sick if they're forced to eat it. But the grace effect, when we speak in such a way that it gives grace, our words bring healing to others. Third thing, rotten fruit, it smells bad and it makes the environment unpleasant, right? It's horrible. If you think about it, it's hard to see beauty from a garbage dump. The environment's just, ugh, you know? 
I heard a quote, I read a quote somewhere once, and I thought this was really brilliant, that nobody standing in an adult bookstore looks out the window at the sunset. It's an environment that is evil. It focuses off the beauty that God's made out there. In the, you know, nobody, nobody looks out the window and, oh, that's a beautiful sunset. No, the environment is tainted, <coughs> if you will. And so rotten fruit, it, it, it makes the atmosphere unpleasant. And we've been in homes and maybe workplaces where the atmosphere was unpleasant, where nobody lived to give grace. And if you're the Christ follower in that situation, that home or that workplace or that school, it is your place to live to give grace. Finally, it probably comes from a diseased tree if there's rotten fruit comes from a diseased tree. If the fruit's rotten, as soon as it appears on the branch, then the tree is bad. Jesus, he said it this way, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man out of the good treasures brings forth good, and the evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will render account for every careless word they utter. Watch this, this is powerful. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. In other words, if the fruit is bad, the root is bad. So we've got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. We've got to look into our hearts and say, you know what? If I'm choosing to justify the darkness, if I'm choosing, then I'm not living as a prisoner to Jesus. I'm not allowing his light to flow to me and then through me. But God, break my heart with my injustice. Break my heart with my anger. Break my heart. And you know what? The ones over here, whoever it might be, frustrating the tar out of you that needs grace to be given that's not your concern it is in prayer but you take your heart to the Lord and God will work things out he does every time it's really something but it's the miracle that the Lord will do when our hearts are turned toward him and so the grace effect is this in light of the idea of a diseased tree when we speak in such a way that it gives grace it affects the core of who we are and we see its benefit in everything. The tree of our life and every aspect of our life we start to see benefit in. Even the aspects where we have to deal with the people that drive us the most crazy. That in-law of yours or that outlaw of yours, that ex of yours, that boss of yours, unless you work for me, you know. Close your eyes just for a moment. Is there an area in your life right now that you feel as if you struggle to allow Jesus to flow through you. Thankful so much for his grace to you, but difficult at times for that in that area to flow through you. If there is, if something comes to your heart, would you submit that this week? I don't think that change happens overnight, but would you begin to submit that? When that rises up in you, would you begin to say, Jesus, deal with that. I'm a prisoner of yours. I, I bind myself to you and your law. I bind myself to you and your word. Change me. And as you change me, allow me to allow who you are to flow in and through me to change my world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.